0: So there is a part of yourself that wants to heal. And then there's a part of yourself that's really feels safe um, and stuck in anxiety or depression. So people don't understand that, you know, to stay in that space in, in, in a way helps you feel safe. There's something about staying there. But it's interesting that there's another part of you that wants to heal. What would it look like, you know, if you're doing like an open chair exercise, just stop us this this sort of philosophy, if your healthy self could have a conversation with your broken self, what would your healthy self say? You're listening to The Recovered Life Show, the show that helps people in recovery live their best recovered lives. And here is your host, Damon Frank.
1: Welcome back to the Recovered Life Show. I am pleased to be joined today by Candice Dale McKenzie, licensed marriage and family therapist. Thanks for joining us today.
0: Absolutely. So good to see you again.
1: Great to see you. And I've been excited about this topic because I wanted to ask you, and I know the listeners want to know, why are we so hard on ourselves? You know, with COVID and everything that's going on now, you know, I've noticed it a lot. It's like that self-talk that's like, and especially people in recovery can be so critical of themselves. Is this an issue that you find with your, with your patients and clients? And what do we do about this, Candace?
0: Well, I like to say being hard on yourself also equates to reintegration anxiety. It is a thing. And it's a thing where we had this horrible pandemic. Everybody was in a state of fear. Our lives felt like they were completely put on hold. And then all of a sudden, okay, we're back up again. Everybody go back to work, right? We noticed the traffic, right? In LA, we've noticed that, right? Back to work. Um, maybe not fully back. Some people are doing hybrid um, sort of roles. But what we're finding is, is this fear around, I'm not enough. I, you know, put this pause button on my life and now I'm expected to be fully back. I've missed out. I'm not as good as I should be. I'm not as strong in my recovery as I should be. Oh no, the voices are starting to say to use again. Um, we like to say the noise is really turned up. So w- therapists have been sort of th- looking at this and calling it reintegration anxiety, which also just means the self-critical mind has gone amok. And so part of that is, one, to recognize that thoughts and feelings are valid, but it doesn't mean it's the truth of a situation. So when I say it's not the truth of a situation, it's not to demise that thoughts and feelings are there for reasons um, and that we can honor them, but it's for us to reflect, is this our, our anxiety mind talking or is this the reality of a situation? And where is that point where we are not mindfully stopping um, and really sort of addressing being in the here and now versus stuck into the what if for the future?
1: Exactly. You know, I noticed this first during the pandemic when this all started that it was like, well, I'm not on my general schedule, right? Like right. I'm not keeping my own personal time well because there was such an adjustment, maybe working out of the house or not going to pick up the kid from school, right? Like the whole, it was just changed, right? But then it kind of morphed into it's just like, well, I, you know, am I doing this right? And the self criticism that I could be doing it better, right? I hear this a lot from people in recovery. It's this negative self talk that comes in to say, well, I should be handling this different, even though their whole lives have changed.
0: I think people um, forget that we went through something really awful and we're still going through some pretty awful times right now. It's the terrible unknown. And I think that somewhere um, we forgot that we're human beings. We survived a really horrific time. Where in here did you forget that, you know, you were managing so much that you're showing up to your meetings, you know, that there is still a desire, um, that there is you know, a better life on the other side? Where do we forget to thank ourselves? Where do we forget to have gratitude for where we're at today versus all that we don't have? I think what I hear more and more of is, oh my gosh, I've gone back to zero because my mind is telling me to use again, right? So those cravings, those urges um, that they are starting to pick up again. Um, because of the unknown and sort of the anxiety and feeling overwhelmed. Hey, those are just thoughts and feelings. It doesn't mean that you have used again. And there's something, these shoulds, I shouldn't ever, ever have a thought of using ever again. I should never have a negative thought. I should, my schedule should be this way. Um, it's certainly in cognitive behavioral therapy is something that I practice and I, I believe in is these, these shoulds, these musts. All or nothing thinking is very, very dangerous for us to be in sort of the black and white thinking. And to be honest, I love it. I love, you know, I love looking um, and talking to a person going, I love that you're so invested in your recovery. I love that you, you know, are questioning that you should be doing certain things, but where is, are you getting in the way of that? Does that make sense? Where is that anxiety cell? Absolutely. Getting in the way that on the side and go, Hey, you know, I've done the best for agreements. Have you done your best for today? Right. You know,
1: I love that. And I love what you're talking about with people that might have thoughts of, of using drugs or alcohol, right. Or thoughts of, Hey, what would it be like if I did that? And that subconscious mind is processing that. And I think people in recovery automatically go to something's wrong with me. Maybe I'm not as sober or recovered as I think I am. And and I think that that is, um, you know, my personal experience is is that's not true, right? That's not true. Um, Now, if you're living in that, that might be a sign that something's not right. But if you were at a baseball game and smelled a beer and go, wow, it's hot, that might be, you know, it doesn't mean that your recovery is not, it's not working for you.
0: Yeah. And I love that you said something's wrong with me. That is such a common um, thought. It's such a common uh, feeling um, that, you know, I'm defective, right? I mean, that's really, you know, there's something um, uh, eternally flawed in me um, that I will never be able to be like other people. Very common feeling and a very awful and sad um, place and space to be. Um, You have. And we have everything we need already. It's just changing that lens. You just don't know it. I truly believe that. I truly believe we have every, the universe has truly provided everything we need. It's when we call it the monkey mind, anxiety self, if you want to call it shadow of yourself, if you want to call it sort of, you know, your substance use disorder self, your eating ed, as we say, sort of in the eating disorder world has gotten in the way and the noise has become very loud. And you have attached to those thoughts and feelings and began and begun to believe in them. So that's exactly. the difference.
1: Yeah. But and, you know,
0: have-
1: yes. yeah. I, I think have- that you tapped onto something interesting that I want to bring up here that, you know, this whole idea of being broken. Th- this idea, you know, and I think that this is an old idea that's leaving the recovery community, that somehow, if you have an addiction issue, you're broken in some way. Can you address that real quick? Because sure. just because yeah. you suffer from addiction doesn't mean that you're broken.
0: Absolutely not. And we all are perfectly imperfect. Renee Brown, if you don't know who that is, please read Shame Resilience. It's incredibly um, meaningful. Uh, She is a research um, psychologist, and that's all she's done is talked about the, you know, the feeling of shame and what that means. Um, And so the sense of broken, broken meaning equating to bad, right? And I think, you know, and I certainly don't want to um, not value other people's recovery journey. I think the original thought and feeling behind that you're broken is a sense of radical acceptance, right? In the sense of like leaning into it, right? Leaning into your community, leaning into, I've got a problem and I need some help and support. I think where it doesn't work for some people is the sense of broken equals you're a bad person and you will never be able to put yourself back together, you know, putting the broken pieces, you know, and putting them back um that is not my belief and i think you and i have talked and we're very aligned i think on those philosophies and value systems that i think uh, to say that you are broken says that you're not a human being um and that there is an opportunity to find help help and healing and recovery um and that to to take that sense of imperfection and brokenness Um, It can be a beautiful thing, right? It can be a very humanistic thing. It can say like, I'm the survivor, right? I'm on this other side right now. And then I can share and I can um, fellowship with other people that are looking to walk into the light, into recovery.
1: You know, and I think COVID, you you, you tapped on this, Candice, and you're so, you know, I love your perspective on this because COVID has shown people that are having, that have never had addiction problems before now all of a sudden can relate to people who have addiction problems because they're left with their own thoughts. Maybe they used to weren't really totally social, but they would go to Starbucks and talk with the barista or you know, talk with somebody who came over a vendor that would, would work on their house or you know, a friend or a neighbor or something. Now, left alone totally with your thoughts, you start believing everything that you hear. And that's a really dangerous place to be.
0: We call it, you know, the thinking man sculpture, you know, the, I got to say it a little as, as I do my pose. Um, and I hope somebody will do a thinking woman sculpture, if you will, too, <laughs> too. But I it's, yeah, it's, we call it the monkey mind. It's where, you know, the recognition of alone in your thoughts. And when you isolate and you're alone in your thoughts, um, it can be really scary, right? And so the work really is about recognizing that our minds are doing what they're supposed to do. A healthy brain has 40 to 60,000 thoughts per day. People don't realize this. It's normal to have lots of thoughts running through your mind. If they didn't, you would be in a coma, right? You would be catatonic, right? And so the th- the brain is doing what it's supposed to do. The difference is that when we're alone with it, is what we choose to attach to, What do we choose to believe? What do we choose to lean into um, and accept and believe? Or what do we choose to lean into and accept and just be? Because here's the thing. Many people um, are afraid of some of their thoughts versus what if it just is, right? It doesn't mean is or just to be means that there's an acceptance that you're not going to work hard to your recovery. It just means to be in a state of being, in a state of acceptance. Vastly different, different, right? And I hope that I'm um, sort of, you know, um, translating that appropriate because I think a lot of people get tripped up. They're like, well, that just means I'm just supposed to be and give up and I can just use and do this and just do everything my thoughts. No, the difference is, is that you're living in a land of I'm broken. There's something bad that I'm having these thoughts. They're just thoughts. I love what this. I this think left? you're
1: articulating it very well. And yes. you know, yeah. if people are listening to this right now and identify with this and like, wow, this is me. How, let's call this a shame cycle, right? They're just in this cycle. I could have done better there. They're trapped in their thoughts. They're not interacting with a lot of people. What would be a tip from you that, you know, that you would tell people about how to get out of that cycle of this really bad, negative self-talk.
0: Absolutely. Um, One is the radical acceptance, the mind and the brain and the body is doing what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be churning and it's okay to have thoughts. The difference is how you're somatically, emotionally, and spiritually attaching to it. So we call distract skills, right? How do I put some boundaries on my anxiety self and turn the noise down, right? And so getting fully engaged into something else. We talk about this all the time, show up to a meeting. If it's not in person, you and I just spoke about this, then certainly jump into an online meeting. Community, community, community is incredibly important because it allows you to hear other people's stories, to have somebody, something to fall back on. Um, I also like to say, you know, finding what is that toolbox for you, right? Everybody needs a grounding toolbox. It's my bag or my box that I go to in my time of need. That does not have to be a spiritual source. That could be something in yourself. Is it nature? Is it a mentor? Is it it food? Is it movies? I don't care what that is, but you need to have that. And especially during this very sort of gray, interesting variant time, Please have that ready for you. And, and I think that's the biggest thing is people, as a society and as children, we were never taught to have a toolbox, right? You know, that sort of thing that I go to um, because life is so busy. I have so much to do. I have children, I have a job, I have this, I have that. Where do we put ourselves last on the list in sort of what we're investing our time? Incredibly important to shift that. And to this make whole sure idea
1: of self-care. Yeah to, to de-neutralize this negative thinking and the spiral that we're in is I think so important. You know, I I remember, you know, I'm very open about that. You know, I've been in recovery for several decades and I never, honestly, when I first went into this pursuit and, 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 you know, went through a 12-step program, the idea of self-care really wasn't presented there, right? Like, it's not something that people openly talked about. They kind of did in some of the aspects of it, uh, but not really like, hey, how am I taking care of my needs so that I emotionally can show up for myself and other people in my life?
0: And I think self-care is, there are myths and mysticism surrounding that. I think self-care gets a bad rap. I think people think of self-care as going off for a day to spa or, you know, just going to take a check out. I'm not going to show up for my job or pay my bills or do all the things that, you know, it's important for me to do. Self-care is allowing yourself um, to nourish yourself as needed. So it's recognizing I'm on overload. I need to take a step back, Right. And that self-care can be taking a short break during the day. It can be doing what I call a body scan for the day. Does that make sense? Like getting away from the computer for a hot second on a scale of one to 10, are my shoulders up to my ears? Then maybe I should do some stretching. Do I need to call a friend for self-care? Do I need to take a walk around the block? Do I need to say um, no for self-care? Boundaries, boundaries, boundaries are a big part of self-care. As well, And that's what we're talking about, sort of the shift, the paradigm shift, as far as putting ourselves first. I think also the myths and mysticism surrounding self-care is is it's selfish. I think I have a lot of clients and, you know, working also um, in groups. People think, well, that means I'm a narcissist and being selfish by putting myself first. I've heard other people, you know, they talk about, you know, this all the time. I've got to show up. I've got to do this. All of that is wonderful, but it's, you know, you also have to remember that you yourself have to give back to you, that you're you as an entity. Does that make sense? Like it's, it, it, that you would that all the self-care you're doing for other people also put that back an investment into yourself.
1: I, I love that. You, that you just, good, yeah. you know, you, you just tapped on something there and that that's why you're a great therapist, right? Because you, you really have the full view and, this whole thing, I have to do this. I have to do that. You know, I think one of the things that COVID has really taught me the whole thing of being in this pandemic was there were a lot of things that I was, that were taking a lot of physical and emotional time that I felt I had to do that. I didn't have to do at the end of the day, after further introspection and looking at them, I I, really, those things weren't making me happy. Right. And not being happy, I would then start to get the thoughts that, well, I'm just not I'm just not as high performance as I want to be because I'm a very type A person. Right. And I'm around a lot of type A people. So it's like, well, I'm just not as high performance as I used to be or I want to be or maybe I can't be at that high performance. Right. It's all really ridiculous, honestly, when I sit back and look at and a lot of those things weren't making me happy. And this time has really been, it's really been a great time. And I don't know if you've experienced this in your own life and just with, with, with clients, but the whole idea of really looking at our lives and really tossing things out of the boat that don't work for us.
0: I think the time is sad as it has been is, um, allowed many people to reinvent themselves, right? we've had to reinvent ourselves as far as the fact of doing telehealth, right. And not having to do practice in person being creative, right. Um, Look, things that matter, right. We've had maybe possibly people have had past past of COVID. Not only that people who are really hurting, who've overdosed, right. People who didn't make it because they were so incredibly sad and overwhelmed. And, you know, we hear this over and over again. It's just, it's, I've never seen anything quite like this during the pandemic people I've just really been hurting and, um, have, uh, you know, gone back and needed to go back into detox or go back into treatment. And all of that is wonderful, but it's allowed us to really recognize, to look at what is really important, right. To really take gratitude and to look and go, my life is really in a parentheses It really is. I have no guarantee of what's going to happen today or tomorrow. So, in the here and now and mindfulness, what makes me happy? This doesn't bring me joy anymore. So it's okay for me to let that go and to sort of try something different, which can bring a lot of fear for people too, in the sense of trying something different, right? But I should do this and I should do that and I should have passion surrounding this. We change, we evolve. yeah, it's
1: everybody okay. shoulds themselves to death, right? Yeah everybody I should do Very this dangerous. I should do that. But really when you sit and look and analyze those thoughts, and I think you know one of the great things is being able to write things down, right And also to be able to run things by people like yourself. And I think that that is one of the that's one of the strengths of therapy is that especially I think during during the pandemic, just having the ability to be able to run something by someone else that's not you.
0: this is what we talk about. If it's therapist, if it's an advocate, if it's a sponsor, if it's a friend, if it's like an online group, anything, all of these things are incredibly important to be able to have a sounding board. Um, And if we don't have that, you brought something up. Journaling is incredibly important too as well. Um, I know that people feel that they are, Time constraints to do that, but there is no rule of the should or the must that you have to journal for hours upon hours. I love the aspect of getting up first thing in the morning, having a cup of coffee, and setting an intention and journaling that could be like a one, you know, could be just one sentence. What is my intention for today? What I want to receive for today? What I want to learn for today? Uh, What am I open um, for today? And then at the end of the day is your gratitude. It's just a, one sentence, two sentences. If you have time for a paragraph, what are you grateful for? Having gratitude is incredibly important because it allows you to celebrate yourself. Instead of staying in a space of I don't have and something is wrong and I'm broken, it says instead that I have everything I need. Ah, and it's in writing. It's there for me to see. And to remind myself to go back to in my time of need, those journals are incredibly important because when we hit those rock bottom times, as we like to say, what does history, I always say this to my clients, what is, what does history say? Let's go back to that time you and I were talking about in that you journal, that you had this huge success, right? That you reinvented yourself, right? And you found this great community. Well, that's what's missing, That's what you had successful before. And you created that. Nobody, nobody just gave that to you. You were the one who did that. So if you could do that, then why can't you do it now? So um, it also changes the neurotransmitters. You know, there's a lot of research surrounding mindfulness, having a sense of gratitude. Self gratitude is also self-compassion. That's one of the hardest things I think as far as skills set is um, self-forgiveness and self-gratitude. Again, we're so hard on ourselves. We're so in our way, um, and beat ourselves up. I could have done this. I should have done this, you know, and, um, you know, I, I do believe in, you know, making apologies and reparations for those that we have hurt, but I also believe that we can look back and go, I am a human being. I'm doing the best that I can do um, and I'm being impeccable. I'm a foregrammates person. Am I being impeccable with my word, not upon other people, but myself, myself, which is incredibly huge.
1: I think you, you know, this whole idea of gratitude and and living in what's positive and living in the, all the good things that are happening. You know, one of the things that 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 we've done with coaching and just in, in a lot of the groups that we have is to really focus at the very beginning of the group about all the wins that happened during the week instead of just going into what's wrong what's not working why don't i feel good about this right really looking at the wins and what i what i found by doing that by starting it off with the wins was there were more wins than there were losses in my own mind right more, more actually was actually going on. That was really great. And, and yeah, there were a handful of things that maybe I wish I would have done better or I would like to change or maybe just aren't optimal for me, but really, wow, look at all of the great things that are happening. Final thoughts, Candice, if, if somebody's out there and they're really trapped in their own mind, they have very negative self-talk and they think they're broken, what would you tell them?
0: I would tell them that it's interesting that you've come, or that you you're you showed up and you listened, right? Like, so there is a part of yourself that wants to heal, and then there's a part of yourself that's really feels safe um, and stuck in anxiety or depression. So people don't understand that you know to stay in that space, in 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 a way, helps you feel safe. There's something about staying there. But it's interesting that there's another part of you that wants to heal. What would it look like? You know, if you're doing like an open chair exercise, just taunt us what is this is sort of philosophy. If your healthy self could have a conversation with your broken self, what would your healthy self say? What would your best friend say, right? To your broken self? It's interesting. Yeah. What advice would you give if the roles were reversed? It would be interesting. I, I would be curious, you know, if your friend was down and out and said they were broken, what would you say? Why could you not say that to yourself? It's so fascinating to me.
1: Words to live by, you know, what What would your life look like if you didn't believe that you were broken, right? Like, you know, and, and that's very powerful. Candice, Dale, McKenzie, thank you so much uh, for showing up today on the Recovered Life Show, giving us all of these uh, tips and perspective perspectives, where can they find out more about you and your work as a therapist?
0: Absolutely. You can find me on the lovely web under CandaceDaleMcKenzie.com. Um, and you can reach out there or certainly through, uh, through your channels as well. And I'm so grateful that you had me here. Thank you for the lovely work that you do for the energy that you give to our lovely recovery community. And um, it is, I do believe that there is power in numbers um, and that the more that we all come around and hold hands in the circle, the healing circle is incredibly important. Um, So thank you for being part of the recovery community. I am extremely grateful to you.
1: Thank you so much, Candice. I'll talk to you soon.